Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out Teenage Bounty Hunter on Netflix, Hitman on Peacock TV, Being Ruben on CW Seed, and Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. So stay tuned to the end to find out if BJ would ever go across the world to teach a sport he's never been familiar with. Maybe, if the offer is sweet. Yeah, honestly, everyone fakes it till they make it, right? I don't have to do that, but (laughs) maybe you know what that's like. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened in Teenage Bounty Hunter on Netflix. In Teenage Bounty Hunters, we focus on twins, Blair, played by Angelica Betty Fellini, and Sterling, played by Maddie Phillips, who are two wealthy white teenagers attending a Christian school and living in a conservative suburb of Atlanta. After a series of whoopsies, they accidentally help bounty hunter Bowser, played by the icon Kadeem Hardison, catch his bounty target. They then decide to lean into their new skills and become bounty hunter interns under the tutelage of their new mentor, Bowser. So I think one of the highlights of this series is the relationship and chemistry between Blair and Sterling, because not only do they have a twin sister bond that we're used to seeing, but they feel like best friends. They do. I would genuinely believe that the actors were close ahead of the filming because they had such a good chemistry. And the show is largely dealing in realism outside of the premise of them becoming bounty hunters. But there is sort of an almost mystical element where sometimes while someone is speaking, they'll look directly at each other And it goes a little fuzzy around them. And we are to assume that they are speaking in twin connection. And so speaking just through their minds. And I loved those parts too. I did not think it was too much. I thought it was cute and just further solidified their bond. Exactly. It works in this world and it just helps us get to know them better and their relationship. And for a show like this, where there's so many times when they're out of their element, it's good to know what they're thinking. So how did you feel about Bowser, their new mentor slash boss? That's another level of chemistry that I'm obsessed with, of the dynamic between the three of them. So he is supposed to be this gruff bounty hunter who has newly moved to Atlanta. We don't know why yet, but to continue bounty hunting, maybe in a richer area, higher bales, unclear. And he has such a cute dynamic with them where... It feels like he's more of a parental figure than their own parents. He definitely talks to them more instead of talking at them than their own parents. And it's just kind of fun how he's willing to take them on under his wing. Because for me, I think he finds them amusing just to like be around. Yes. (laughs) And he doesn't have expectations of them in the same way that their parents do. Where we learn at school, which it was a stunningly accurate portrayal of a white Christian prep school in Atlanta, I will just comfortably say. And the show creator also said that she attended a predominantly white Christian prep school in Atlanta, and you see it. It is accurate. But at school, we learned that Sterling makes fellowship leaders. So fellowship being the Christian club at their high school, and she gets to be the head of it. And she comes home and tells her mom, and her mom loses it. Not because she's excited for Sterling to have this leadership position and this thing she's passionate about, but obviously because of the optics. And then same for 
Her sister, Blair, who did some great move in lacrosse practice that day, her dad was excited because she specifically used a move that he liked to do when he played lacrosse. Whereas Bowser brings a different set of expectations. He just wants them to be responsible and get the job done. Exactly. They have a family legacy that their parents expect them to continue on. And Bowser is simply like, did you catch the bounty or not? Which brings us to their dynamic and the specific benefit that they bring to Bowser. So it is, of course, a little ridiculous to have a show about teenage bounty hunters. The name itself already makes the premise sound ridiculous. But Bowser being in Buckhead, which where the show creator said that she grew up, it's a very wealthy neighborhood in Atlanta, very white, very exclusive. And there are spaces that he literally can't get into Mm -hmm. because of the color of his skin. And... And probably lacking some pedigree or whatever you need to be in Buckhead. And so the twins are able to get him into these spaces or they're able to be his eyes on the inside as he tracks folks. And so that's an interesting dynamic where they kind of need each other. They need him because they're trying to earn money after wrecking their dad's car. And then he needs them because he literally can't track some of the Bail skippers. Exactly. They have a good setup going. Bowser knows the bail's bond person, so he's getting the tips, he's getting the money. And then the twins, they literally have the personal connections with the people in their community. People know their parents, they're members of the country club, they're friends with the children of people in the town. And so they can just easily and casually access people that Bowser needs to know about. Which makes for a really fun dynamic. It also is clear that this is going to be how the procedural will be going forward. There are overarching themes, some rivalries that they each have at school and Mm -hmm. trying to navigate their crushes on different people. But Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. But I think ultimately (laughs) we'll get to see them just every episode track different people. And that'll be fun to see the different ways in which they'll do that with Bowser in tow. Yeah. I want to see them develop their skills and become professionals. Yes. I want better for them. Better skills. So me too. Are you going to continue watching to see them develop these skills? Absolutely. I will watch again seriously for any of our listeners who enjoy ridiculous teen shows like this. I would strongly recommend it. Also for any of our listeners, this is very niche, but who also went to Southern prep high schools, especially religious ones. This is a stunningly accurate show and it gives you all the nostalgia without the sometimes trauma of being at those schools. So (laughs) I I would strongly recommend it. And I've already seen a couple more episodes. Ooh, I have to wholeheartedly agree. This was a very fun series. I did go into it hesitant of the premise. For sure. But I was surprised that it was fun. It was well-paced, good action, good energy, good characters. And I would watch again seriously. So now we have a set of BFFs who aren't bounty hunters, but rather bounty killers. (laughs) Yes. You got to sometimes do more than put some handcuffs on them. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the comedy series Hitman on Peacock TV. So this six-part original comedy is actually a British series, and it stars Sue Perkins and Mel Gidroyce. 
and they are playing the characters Fran and Jamie, misfit contract killers working for the mysterious Mr. K. And their whole job in this first episode is to actually take out a target who had a wire and was working with the police, but they have to wait until Mr. K gives them the go-ahead. But it also turns out that it is Fran's birthday, so Jamie is trying to make a fun day of it (laughs) as they drive around with their captive waiting to kill him. What did you think of this pair of best friends? So, I don't think a show this violent and bloody because it centers around being an assassin is necessarily for me or my fellow babies listening who also are not great with bloody things. But Jamie and Fran trying to still celebrate Fran's birthday was very funny and a very funny through line through the show. Exactly. There were some hilarious scenes from going through a McDonald's drive through to hiring a stripper, but then actually getting a human spider. And then we even meet their rivals, like another pair of misfits. Yes. So they have these, let's say, assassin frenemies who also work for the mysterious K. And their names are Charles, played by Asim Chaudhry, and Liz, played by Tanya Cornelis. And they also won't attend the birthday party. And we learn in the show that the reason Fran is having such trouble getting people to show up to celebrate her birthday is that the year prior, when she and Jamie arrived at maybe a karaoke bar or something, there was a black light, and so they were covered in blood. And so all of their friends, when they walked into this blacklight room, saw them just stained from head to toe, like if you blacklit a motel room or a hotel room, to be honest. (laughs) And so now their friends are avoiding them because there's just no telling what liquid is all over them. And there is no good answer. You saw them. Yeah, you saw them (laughs) trying to think through it in the car. Like, do we tell them it was urine? Do we tell them it was this? It was that. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's all over you. (laughs) There's no good answer. That is very true. So how did you feel about this humor in light of all the gore? Because we see that while Fran and Jamie are kind of misfits, a little bumbling duo, they are willing to do their job without hesitating. Like they kill people and they move on with it. They kill people super efficiently. They don't flinch when they need to do it. There's never a moment of remorse which I think is kind of cool. We don't often get to see women play roles like this. So it was cool to just see them be these BFFs, be people who love and support each other, potentially being the only people sometimes who are there to support each other. And yet they also are displaying all of that love toward each other while very callously killing their targets and others. Yeah, it's an interesting contrast, which I'm surprised it didn't throw me or take me out of the moment. You kind of believe these characters could laugh and smile and share a McFlurry and then shoot someone in the head. I agree. I would also say that we don't get to learn their background as much. This first episode was just 20 minutes. And so I am curious about what led them to this, because if you were to just see them walking about, you would think these are just two friends who have probably known each other for decades and are maybe sitting next to you at brunch. Yeah. How do you get hired to be one of the hitmen? 
What's that process like? Do you choose that career path? Do you think it's like one of those aptitude tests? You know, the ones that they always had in 90s sitcoms where it's like, it says the only thing I can be is a clown. And they both got hit killer. <laughs> that was such a good story arc on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will scored higher than Carlton. In any case. <laughs> so me too. How do you feel about this premise long-term? It's a six-part series, but besides wanting to know more about their background, is there anything that you think will draw people through the whole series? It is sort of like an anti-crime procedural. I envision for episodes going forward that there will maybe be an overarching story. Maybe we'll see their little assassin frenemies pop in and out, but ultimately there's just going to be an episode of the week where we see them take down a new person or entity for their role. And I think that's fun. That's like a very anti-hero approach to crime shows. True. I think this could be enough to carry people through just seeing how they're going to handle these serious situations, but also adding in their absurd daily activities. So do you want to see more of their absurd daily activities? I would say I would watch again casually. You know, I'm always lukewarm on comedies, but I think with this one, I could watch a few more episodes. How do you feel? I would recommend it to people who like comedy at the intersection of hijinks and action movies or gore. The blood just wasn't for me. And I think if you are not into watching people die fairly often, even within a short 20-minute episode, then it's probably not for you either. That's fair. It's not for everyone. So how about we go to another person who has experienced not being everyone's cup of tea, but is still living his best life? I think you're talking about Ruben the makeup icon of Being Ruben on CW Seed. And Being Ruben is a reality docuseries following Ruben DeMade and his family in Wales. In this first episode, we watch him meet with makeup executives in London and navigate how intimidated he is by older influencers he meets while shooting a new commercial. We also meet Ruben's mother, Vicky, 12-year-old sister, Coco, 10-year-old brother, Sonny, grandpa, Michael, and manager, Freddie. Nice. How do you feel about his whole family dynamics? I think it's always difficult when one of your kids of a group becomes famous. People always joke about the other Manning brother. I remember reading that Miss Tina Lawson put Beyonce and Solange into family therapy as soon as Beyonce started to get famous, like when they were kids, to help them prepare for any upcoming weird dynamics where one of them is becoming famous and well-known, yet this is still your sibling and you don't want to be overshadowed in your own home. So the immediate dynamic we see within being Ruben is his mom, Vicky, trying to set aside time directly to give love to Coco because her brothers are so loud and out there. And then specifically because Ruben is becoming a star And we also see the dynamic that Ruben has with his grandpa, which is very sweet, where, like you said, Ruben talks about how he's not everyone's cup of tea because he is a boy makeup artist. 
And his grandpa didn't understand it at first. And now you see his grandpa being such a cheerleader for what Ruben is doing and who Ruben represents. Exactly. And I think his grandfather said it well. At first, he was just shocked because it's something he wasn't used to. And I think you just have to adjust to change. But initially, there's going to be, you're going to be caught off guard. Exactly. And I also liked hearing from his sister how she doesn't want to be an only child. Like she likes having her siblings around. And so she just needs the balance of some solo parent time, but she wants the sibling time as well. She said she would die of boredom if she didn't have siblings, which her mom was surprised by because Vicky thought that Coco would want way more attention, which made me laugh because you and I always talk about how we grew up without siblings and we love that we were the the apple of our parents' eyes. Yeah, I don't need the sibling time that she craves so much. (laughs) No, I loved being the center of attention. (laughs) And the mom was even like, I would have spoiled you if it was just you. (laughs) That's what I was thinking too. Like, "Hmm, you missed out on a lot. College was the first time I ever shared a bathroom. I really, <laughs> I was spoiled. Okay. In so, any case, yes, back to Ruben. being Ruben. So in this first episode, we learned that as Ruben's career grew, Vicky, who I think might be a single mother, also has her own thriving business, couldn't keep up with going everywhere with Ruben to photo shoots and meetings. And so she hires a manager, Freddie, to be able to handle Ruben's business. And we see them go to this commercial where Ruben is intimidated because it's one of his first big commercials. And he is with a bunch of people in their mid-20s. So that to him, (laughs) it hurt hurt to my fellow people who are kissing 30. It hurt to see them be perceived as so much older to Ruben. But he was just so intimidated by these adults And they were intimidated, you could see, in turn by him because they regretted not starting in the makeup influencer industry as young as 14. But interesting dynamics come up where Freddie is a business manager, but Vicky also has to trust Freddie to almost be like a parent. So Ruben is navigating these big deals, getting to do this big commercial, but then turn around and doesn't remember to pack a toothbrush. Yeah, that's asking a lot of Freddie to not only manage Ruben's career, get him jobs and gigs, but also be his chaperone and make sure that he's fed and gets is yeah. drinking enough water, staying out of trouble. It's a lot to ask of Freddie. I hope he gets a, a good percentage of Ruben's mm. paychecks. But also, I hope he doesn't take advantage of Ruben. So much True. to balance. Ruben is a child at work. But it was interesting to see him have to work with so many adults. And he even mentioned that he was nervous, but he wanted to fake it till he make it. He wanted to pretend to be confident so that no one would say, oh, here's a child out of his element. They're just going to think, wow, this kid already knows what he's doing. Which I agreed with. I thought that was a weird plot point where, well, plot point makes it sound like it's fiction. But storyline where Vicky was telling Ruben, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to tell people you're totally lost. And Ruben was like, no, it's not. Like, I need to look like, I need to look as if I know what I'm doing. And I agree. Definitely not to the point where you're not asking questions and you're potentially doing the wrong thing. But I thought Ruben was quite charming. And even if he were 
completely a wreck, a nervous wreck on the inside, he projected very confidently and it translated in the ad. Yeah, he was so confident he actually ate the prop ice cream. Off the ground, too. Because he was mad that Freddie dropped it. <laughs> so me too. I, that comes back to re- remembering that he's a child, you know? I, I had He's 14, you know? Yeah, high expectations, but he's still a baby. It's like, think about how ridiculous teenagers were on school trips. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Axe body spray of a field trip. Like that specific odor occupying a school bus. Oh, And people would spray it on you just to like... Yes. Tag you with the scent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So where do you see Ruben's career going now that he's not just an influencer, but he's now doing makeup campaigns? The sky's the limit for Ruben. So I love that he explicitly said, I want to be famous. I want to be of the most famous people in the world. I loved that this young person felt comfortable saying and claiming such major goals out loud. And when you look through Ruben's YouTube videos, he's so fun and charming. And I'm excited for what he represents because he is a good makeup. I mean, actually, I was going to say he's a good makeup artist. I don't even know what that like metric is. All this stuff looked pretty on his face, but I don't know anything about makeup. So Makeup Hive, please let me know if I'm correct in saying this. But I think everything that he's putting on his face looks cool. You need to watch and his tutorials. That's true. I need to just watch more tutorials than the ones I skimmed after watching this episode. But it's also really cool what he represents. And you see that he doesn't take it lightly. The fact that he gets to be a young boy who wears makeup and who gets to extend this frame of masculinity that we have in our minds. And that's like that inherently in and of itself is so great for young people, people who are even younger than Ruben, turning to YouTube for community and for representation and to finally see themselves potentially in someone else. Exactly. I think his platform is going to continue to grow. He's going to find success and there's going to be plenty of people like his grandfather that he's going to be able to help them adjust and acclimate to different types of lifestyles, different types of hobbies, activities. And expression. Mm -hmm. Do you plan to watch him break these barriers and do these tutorials? I don't see myself watching more solely because makeup doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. And while I loved everyone's accents, that's not enough to keep me watching a show. So I'm going to wish Ruben the best, but say I will not watch again. That's fair. I think for Makeup Hive, this is a really cute show. And I think that y'all will enjoy it, especially those in Gen Z, to see someone young who is excelling in a path that he is setting for himself. I think for me, I would probably watch again casually. It was just like a pleasant reality show you're right that their accents were literally pleasing to listen to. (laughs) And it was just fun to see all the colors of like all the things that he was putting on his face. Oh man, one day I'll learn makeup terms like (laughs) eyeshadow. (laughs) You don't even know what was on his face. I don't. I was like, oh, that stuff he's painting looks really good. And so... (laughs) Got a lot to learn. All that said, it is a good, I'll often call these 
Sunday email shows, a show that I can put on on the weekend as I'm catching up on some emails and things. It's a good background show for that. If you're into makeup, I would probably watch it more closely. That's fair. So we're talking about breaking barriers and we're already across the pond. So why don't we talk about Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus? That's a great idea. Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis, is actually an American college football coach who has been recruited to be the coach for an English football team, a.k.a. soccer for us Yanks. He was hired by (laughs) Rebecca Welton, played by Hannah Waddingham, who recently inherited the team from her ex-husband. And so now he is a fish across the pond, out of water for a new sport, And he's joined by his assistant coach, Coach Beard, played by Brendan Hunt. He's also working along with the water boy, Nathan, played by Nick Mohammed. And then along the way, who's helping Rebecca monitor Ted's actions is her assistant, Higgins, played by Jeremy Swift. So me too, what did you think of this sports comedy? Before we get into it, we should talk about the premise of it. So Ted Lasso stems from a series of commercials Jason Sudeikis did years ago that I guess they developed into a full show. And you see the imprint of the show creators pretty strongly in the show. So Jason Sudeikis is a co-creator, but also a writer on the show. Coach Beard is a fellow show creator. And Bill Lawrence who created Scrubs and one of my favorite shows of all time, Cougar Town, is also a show creator. So you see a lot of their imprints in the structure and style of this show. The show is also, I think, a play on the movie Major League, which is that, you know, a woman, a divorcee, has inherited a team from a man she despises and the team represents that man that she despises. And so we see that dynamic play out as well throughout the show. So do you see Rebecca and Ted butting heads? Or do you think they're really going to just come together to improve the team, which has been on a losing streak? I bet she's going to eventually fall for some of his homespun wisdom. Because you do see him just be like a very sweet Southern gentleman who wants the best out of his experiences and his team. He has these little moments that tell you a lot about his character. Like he is prepping the locker room and he puts a motivational poster up on the wall and then notices that one of the team members has a photo of someone topless and he takes tape and tapes over the woman in the picture's breasts, like for modesty. And it was like a small scene that was quick, but you're just like, It just tells you who he is. Yes, he's a very humble, nice, maybe a little naive, but you can tell he has a good heart and he really believes that heart is what's going to make a team perform well together. Even when he is completely unfamiliar with soccer, we see that with the rules of soccer, the structure of soccer, he's immediately thrown into a press conference when he arrives in the UK. And (laughs) in the press conference, he's like, you know, we're going to give it all our best over four quarters. And the press is like, 
two halves. And he was like, win or lose, we're going to do it the best we can. And they're like, or tie. And he was like, oh, yeah, they have ties in this sport, too. (laughs) And so you can tell he just has no concept of it. Coach Beard seems to be who he's relying on closely with regard to literally understanding the structure of soccer. And yet, Mm -hmm. despite all of that, excuse me, football, I am classless. (laughs) But despite all of that, you can tell he firmly believes that like clear heart, what is it? Clear eyes, full heart can't lose. That's how he feels. Yeah, I'm glad that he has someone like Coach Beard. We see on the plane ride over that Coach Beard was reading how to coach soccer for dummies. So he's (laughs) done his studying. He's going to be the one to teach him all the terminology. And we even see Nathan, who seems like for the first time he's been acknowledged by someone. So he's going to go the extra mile to help Ted on this new career path. Yes, Nathan is a shy water boy, but you know that his passion for the team and just general knowledge of the sport will be will make him very useful to Ted. And I'm sure he'll grow in the team franchise. Mm -hmm. And he knows all the players and their personalities. And I think that's going to be key for him to for Ted to get to know who is he working with. How do you feel about Higgins, Rebecca's assistant? I love a scheming assistant. I think that'll be a fun dynamic in this comedy. And you can tell that he doesn't want to do all the scheming. So I also like the dynamic of Rebecca being like a little bit nefarious and forcing him to do spy, schemey, nefarious things. It'll be fun. Okay. So what are some of your predictions for this series? Where do you see the football club going Where do you see Ted's future going? So we see a wedding ring on his hand, but Mm -hmm. we know that he is alone across the pond, Mm -hmm. which means maybe things at home aren't so great for him. True. We know he has a kid because some child drew him a letter. Yes. And he is internationally distanced from his (laughs) own family. Mm -hmm. And so there's something there. And I wonder what the family will be that he finds in the team and potentially in one of the wags or wife and girlfriends, Keely, played by Juno Temple. Oh, you sense some uh, future love interest potential. Initially, I thought, is it going to be Rebecca? But then he seemed to have a really nice dynamic with Keely as well. That could get messy because Keely's dating a player on the team. A star player at that. And then you're going to go and get the coach involved. And then you're going to have a love triangle. And Mm -hmm. he's American. That's a lot. (laughs) And he's American. (laughs) I also wonder if there's any more viral dances in his future. So the reason that he becomes so famous is not just because he turned around a D2 team and ended up helping them win the championship, but also because he did a celebration dance in the locker room that went viral. That's really what made him famous. So I wonder if we'll see more ridiculous dancing and fun like that in future episodes. Though I do think that the dance that went viral could have been funnier. It just looked like a regular celebration dance to me. It wasn't that goofy or wild. It wasn't. Was it to you? No. It just looked like someone celebrating. I didn't understand why that was one of the running jokes. But I wonder if they'll make them more ridiculous after hopefully more wins. I mean, if it's like any of the sports movies that it's clearly based on, then they do end up 
winning big in the end. I feel like that's the only outcome unless they really want to drag this out and have him like lose a season, but then we see Mm. him take those lessons and try again. Maybe. So do you want to try again with more episodes of Apple TV's Ted Lasso? I do. I want to keep watching casually. I'm going to watch Ted and Beard on this journey. I want to meet some more of the players and get into their heads on how they feel about this new coach. And I guess I'm just going to wait and see if they win. How do you feel? I agree. I didn't think that a sports comedy would be for me, but I enjoyed it. And Jason Sudeikis was just so charming. And I think Bill Lawrence knows how to make things that I'll watch. That's the key takeaway. (laughs) Facts. Watch Cougar Town, y'all. If you want to. You can also check out some of our (laughs) other recommendations on our website at thepilotpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show recommendations, your favorite sports movies and stories that you think we should try out at askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.